Okay. Hi, Danny. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? I I'm going great. Yeah. I'm definitely, this coffee is filling me with energy. Yeah. Tell us about this coffee. It tastes really good. Is tastes it a specific really kind good. of coffee? I think it is. I think you know more about it than me, though. Yeah. It's Bateo Boys coffee. It's the Wells brand. Should the people Wells buy Brew. it? The What's Wells the Roast. name of it? Why Bateo is it Boys called coffee. Bateo Boys? Well, Bateo Boys stands for be excellent. No, it doesn't. To each other. So what is it? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yeah. I know references. So our homeboy, producer Dustin, uh, who, I don't know if you watched the episode that, well, I don't think came out. Dustin, you know how he like says pastor and comedian? Yeah. For him, he put B team on his, which I thought was really funny. That is funny. Um, but so Dustin started Bateo Boys Coffee and we're uh, at the well. People can buy it and the money goes directly back into the mission and vision of the well, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, it's pretty awesome. What's going on? And the coffee doesn't suck. It's very good. I, so. I honestly really like it. Yeah, it's good. It is. Uh, I think it's Ugandan. Okay. All right. So it's really full bodied. Like I'm, I'm, I'm about it. Yeah. Dustin, I, and my two little kiddos, not my youngest gray, gray, but me, Knox and Joe went to, uh, do a tasting and it was fun. Like it was, it was mm -hmm. cool. It was great. And it's, uh, it's some, it's some bussin' coffee, as the kids would say. It's bussin'. Um, it goes pretty hard. I feel like that's what my students say. Mm. Like that goes hard. Yeah. It's fire. So, <laughs> it slaps. Um, it's dank. All right. How long can we keep you going? It's sick. Uh, okay, so I was thinking about this story on the way here, and I want to talk about it. And I think it's going to lead to maybe some pretty incendiary conversation. Wow. Um, so, Pretty fire conversation. I... <laughs> Let's be done with this episode. <laughs> but I uh, was a part of a college ministry. I don't know if you know. I never talked about it. Never heard of it. but Because um, I was very churchy in college, most of college. Nice to me. And um, so we, uh, it's actually a great story. So me and some of my college ministry friends were at Buffalo Wild Wings. Fun fact about Emily Zell, I love Buffalo Wild Wings. Top three flavors, go. Lemon pepper, Asian zing, and mild. Lemon pepper is a dry rub or a I like the sauce. The sauce, okay. Yeah. Um, that's me. I love it. During COVID, my family, we did boneless Thursday every Thursday. Yeah, they're great. And it was buy one, get one free wings. Yeah, yeah that's a great Okay. One. Anyway, we we're at Buffalo Wild Wings, and I had been reading Comedy Sex God by Pete Holmes. And he yeah. talks about Have you watched this new special? Yes. Did you like it? I've only watched the clips on TikTok and they're great. And I've got it queued up to watch. But every joke so far I've found to be hilarious. That he has a whole God up. bit that's yeah, like it's really great. good. It's so good. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, so anyway, we're at Buffalo Wild Wings, we're hanging out. And I was telling them about this book I was reading where Pete Holmes talks about doing LSD and like meeting God or whatever. Mm -hmm. No, he doesn't say that, but it's something like that. And then our waiter comes over and he was like, what are you guys talking about? And we were like, oh, we're talking about God and drugs. And he goes, I met God on LSD. <laughs> and I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, what was God like? And he was like, indescribable <laughs> and i was like well that kind of ends the conversation yeah, right. do better next time yeah <laughs> but he takes our order comes back sits down at the table and talks to us for a good 15 minutes i'm like do you have other tables like he just sits down and he's like so what's up like turns out he's friends with my cousin like oh. <laughs> what <laughs> it, was, it was a wild waiter experience honestly mm -hmm. but it was very nice and i've i remember being like we should invite him to do some college ministry stuff we were doing like a capture the flag in the park that week and i was like let's invite him and so we invited him and he ended up coming which i was like that is super cool okay 
And so that, but then I have another friend who is like, we, his, um, this guy's name is John. I think there's a lot of Johns in the world. Um, <laughs> and someone was like, we can't let John like come back to our college ministry. This is Buffalo Wild Wings, John. Buffalo, LSD. the waiter. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> he can't, someone says he can't come back. Yeah. Okay. And, but it's talking to me about it. And I was just like, what? Why? And he was like, apparently John was like title nine, which I believe is usually about like sexual misconduct in some way. Mm -hmm. But then I heard it was something about like making anti-Semitic comments. Okay. Honestly, I don't know the details. But he did something that someone's like, you're He got reported for. for. He was canceled. Which and is an over, that's probably not a great, I shouldn't say canceled because it makes it sound like I'm being That's true. That's true. It, Someone but... felt unsafe. Maybe his roommate yeah. was Jewish and he was saying these things. Okay. I don't, I couldn't tell you. So I'm not going to keep guessing <laughs> but all that to say something happened and i think the guy i think someone asked john about it and john like didn't like share what happened and he was like yeah i messed up like mm. all that and then someone was like well he needs to not be welcome back and i and i remember at the time i was still like super fundamentalist and i was just like then what are we doing as like a christian community like uh -huh. what i remember being really frustrated and i was just like if we are a grace-filled community that says, like, everyone gets a second chance, like, everyone can come back, why are we not letting him come back? Yeah. And I remember the friend I was talking to was like, well, yes, that is all true, Emily. But if he is, if he's making it not a safe space for others, then then he can't be welcome. Because if we're trying to create a grace-filled safe space and someone is, like, making that space a harmful space, that's an issue. Yeah. And that was honestly kind of the end of it. I remember being like, mm. he never came back. He never came back. I don't really blame him. I don't think I would come back if someone was like. So, but he wasn't back. like, it wasn't that he was barred from coming back. He just didn't come back. Or was it he was um, like asked to not come back? He was asked to not come back. Okay. And didn't try to come back. Yeah. So I think that this, I think, I think there's a lot we could talk about here. And I think there's validity to both sides. So I think the question that I want to ask in this episode is like, how far, let's say in a church or religious space, how far does inclusion go? Does it include people who have messed up but are maybe low-key safety risks or make people feel unsafe? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think my answer is everybody yeah. should be welcomed to come. I think it gets complicated the more to the story you add, like mm -hmm. in safety risks, like um, if you have someone that's an abuser of children, like yeah. can they come to church? I think the answer is hopefully yes, but can they serve in kids ministry? Probably no, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think inclusion to the community of believers doesn't mean like an invitation to every part of things. Like, okay. So like I, just because I want to be a scientist, like I don't have, there are things that are stopping me from doing that, right? And so I think on the other side of it, it's like, just be like, you should be involved in the community, like, but there are certain areas that maybe you can't fully live into. And mm -hmm. in this way, it's because of maybe things that have happened. But like, I think like, so we were talking actually before we started recording about something in my life that like happened yeah. right and that is like not like crazy or whatever but i think 
as we talked about that, I was thinking just now, like if you heard this story about someone you didn't have a relationship with, how would you mm. like you get like people give people they know a lot more leeway. It's true. Um, and so did you give Buffalo Wild Wings guy leeway because you had a dope conversation there and you're like, well, I know him not to be that. And then you're like, but someone else said he is this. And it's the intersection and collision of those things. For me, I feel like if we're going to be a community that's about grace, we have to be about grace. And yeah. but you can't be like there's grace doesn't come without wisdom. Right. And so there's levels to which like. And so being a church that was in a brewery, like mm -hmm. people struggle with alcoholism. We were like, everyone's welcome here. Certain people didn't feel welcome yeah. because of that. Right. And so part of being inclusive and believing that everyone is included means you also have to like navigate the wisdom of everyone's personal story. But I think it's connected exactly to knowing their personal story. Like they can't. If we don't know their story, then we're really like binary, like in or out. Mm. But the more we know people, the more grace we're going to have. And the, excuse me, the more nuance we're going to have to that, I think. So I'm gonna, I just want to play devil's advocate a little bit. I think Do what it. you're saying is awesome. I, so let's say this Buffalo Wild Wings guy and his roommate, who was the one that Title IX'd him. Let's say they both came to my campus ministry and... But they didn't come together, and, and the roommate was like, oh, my God, I wanted a space away from this guy who's really harmed me. Like, because I'm thinking about the line that I know, like, we talk about a lot of, like, your seat can't cost someone else's. Yeah. In that moment, Buffalo Wild Wings guy and his roommate come. His roommate doesn't feel safe if this guy is here. So in that sense, this guy, Buffalo Wild Wings John, is costing his roommate's seat at the table of the church. Yeah. So it's like, what do you do with that? Yeah, I think from the objective insider's seat, you're like, these people are both inherently valuable, right? Yes. And they both have a seat. These two people have an inability to be fully objective. Mm. And I think they will always feel like one person's seat is costing the other person's. Um, so I, like, I think in my situation, you'd have to walk it with a lot of care. And I think you'd have to like get to know both those people. I think that you can't heal from something if you're still holding it against them, right? And so like if we believe God's grace is really radically inclusive and over everyone, I think there's as much of a healing conversation and a grace conversation for the person that was hurt as there is for the person that did the harming. Mm -hmm. And I think the sign of moving past it is into healing is seeing that person as someone that can participate in the community again. But I also think that is not without boundaries, right? Like Absolutely. boundaries have to exist. And so this idea of like forgive and forget, like I get it in some ways, but it's like you have to forgive and truly forgive. Yeah. But forgiveness doesn't mean a lack of boundaries. And so like the question then becomes how can I and help this person feel inclusion and feel God's grace but also, while I need them for my personal healing, create the boundaries I need. But those are my boundaries. I, like, my boundaries can't dictate what the community's boundaries are. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it, it gets, like, sticky, right? So, like, if say you hurt me. Yeah. Just by virtue of seeing you in the space, I'm triggered. For sure. By something, right? And so I kind of have to ask myself, like, what boundaries do I, do I need to find a new community? 
does that person need to find a new community? Can we still exist? And if we are in this, how do I create those boundaries? Um, but I just like I think it's so much more messy. But I guess what I go to is we often I think we're way faster to move on and not do the hard work of like actual Christ-like forgiveness and reconciliation because it's easier just to go on to the next thing. I think that's probably true. Like I think there's a lot of people that don't want to heal or don't want to like or maybe they want to heal but they maybe they don't want to reconcile. Yeah. And this so I also think it's easier like think organizationally for that college ministry. If yeah. they want to grow, it's easier to grow without that person than with that person. Yeah. And that is their driving motivation. It has nothing to do with the forgiveness, the soul or the eternity of that person. It has to do with their engine for growth and how that person would hinder it because they have to do more explaining with that person there. So it's easier for them not to be there. It's not right or wrong necessarily. You could advocate for either one, but mm. it's easier. And so I think the motivation of the choice is also important to consider. I think that's a very good point. I think the thing that gets tricky or murky or the thing that like maybe make gives people like a weird feeling is I think sometimes if in my if in that hypothetical situation if him and the roommate both came and we said like well we're not going to kick out the guy that did the harm if I was the roommate I would probably feel like maybe you don't believe my story you don't think that my story has weight or you're just siding with an abuser Again, yeah. I, I I know that those are really intense words, but I do think a lot of people would see it that way. And someone, and I think that I could see that guy being like, okay, you value grace and inclusion, but you don't invalu you don't value my safety or my story. Right. And I think that is hard. Yeah, it's funny. I, again, I'm talking about, I don't, did I say CRE that I'm preaching about abuse? This yeah, you did. So like, this is funny that we're talking about this because this is all mm -hmm. helpful for me to like think about this. Yeah. But what's interesting to me is, so say I, you said that it was anti-Semitic comments that the person made. I think yeah. I might We'll be use wrong. that as easy. Yeah. Just because that's what it was. Say that I made those. Uh-huh. You know me before that. Yeah. So you, like, again, I think relationship is what makes it hard, right? And so in this example, this person wasn't, a part of this community and didn't have a lot of relationship with anyone. And so the person that was already there had, was the other person already a part of your guys' community? No, this is hypothetical. The other person wasn't a part of oh, it at all. Okay. Um, so I think that makes it different then. Right? Yeah. So I'm it's with like, you. so it, I think there's different ways to, like if they're both a part of the community, uh -huh. then it's going to be handled different because you both know people and it could potentially cause people to choose sides. But in a perfect example, it's like we know both these people. So how can we navigate this with grace for both people? Yeah. If one person's already a part of it, you know that person's story. So if it was me, you would be like, how can I help you heal? Mm. Even though I was the victimizer, you would make you would want to help me heal. Because you're my friend. Because I'm your friend. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I didn't do something to that person. But you're like, I want to help you heal to not victimize anyone else. Right. Mm. And I think. The core of that is like you care about me and you want to help me become the best person I can be. And what I hear not in all of these situations, it often is like the victim is to the one that needs the healing and the victimizer is dead to us because they crossed the line. 
and grace doesn't just stop with the victim. Like the victim and the victimizer are mm. both in need of grace. And that's where I think sometimes the church and a, and, a, and I know I said this earlier and like, but cancel culture only sides with the victim. And I think the victim needs the love, but the victimizer, if we believe in a God of the universe, mm. that person was created in God's image and is a victim of something that, you know what I mean? Like made them do that. Like whether it's they're perpetuating a, a cycle of anger, mm. a cycle of pain and abuse, whether they're just not healed from their own thing or whatever. So it's like that person, because they made a bad choice, doesn't mean they're less seen in the image of God in need of grace. And so like for me in the vacuum of this, it's like both people should be extended the same amount of grace. But to the question you kind of asked more explicitly, in the practical application of the community, it probably looks more nuanced. Yeah. But there has to be grace given to both people. Do you think that the how it go, how you go about it changes or if they're like they're continued the abuser or victimizer's inclusion changes if they are like repentant or not? I think there has Because I think if there's like I don't know, a guy out there just like assaulting people and then he's just like, Yeah, that's what I do. That's yeah. not I know it's maybe an extreme, but like I think that's a little bit different than someone who made some comments and is like, I one hundred percent messed up. Yeah, I think I made a pretty big assumption in this hypothetical that the victimizer was remorseful or repentant. Yeah. If you're not, then again, in relationship, that person has to be shown the error of their ways. Um, but again, that's not going to happen outside of relationship. But yeah, if like if you and I were in a room together and you hurt me, but were remorseful about it, the community would probably treat you differently than if you were just like, Danny, like <laughs> for you know sure. I mean? like, if you just went at it differently, like it'd be a very different situation. Uh -huh. you know? So, but if I, let's say like you hurt me, I'm the victim. And I said, and let's say you're not, you're just a lay person. So let's say we're both lay people and you really hurt me. And I said, I don't, I don't feel safe in this space unless Danny is no longer part of this community. Yeah. Like, what do you do with that? Because I think that is well, such a hard situation. situation. I am both a lay person and a pastor in this hypothetical situation, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about Dustin really hurt me? Great, thank you. Dustin hurt me and I'm like, it's me or Dustin, basically. Uh, do you want my honest answer? Yeah, I do. It's not you or Dustin. It's both. Of you. I would never, I personally could not. I would, my heart would break if I had to choose between the two of you. For sure. Like, or two of anyone. Like, Again, now if Dustin was the victimizer, yeah, and he wasn't apologetic, he would be. I would have to handle it differently. I'd be like, "You need to a maybe break. take some time." Yeah, yeah, like, but like if everyone's repentant, and that maybe the victim probably doesn't need to be repentant, but yeah. like if the victimizer is, then my heart would break to be like, "You're both at it," and I think that's not what Jesus would do. Like, yeah. Jesus washed Judas's feet before he betrayed him, like shared a meal with him. Like, I think he said, forgive the soldiers for they don't know what they're doing. Right. Like, I think we, I don't think any of us want forgiveness. I think we want our desire for justice. And so mm. it, that irks me more than anything is I don't think any of us are that interested in forgiveness. We want justice, which is what I partially, even what we talked about last episode with us being like, I think that's why we, like to see ourselves as the ones in control and not surrender. Cause yeah. once we surrender, 
we don't get to decide what justice is anymore. I, Ultimately. I'm with you in so many ways, but I'm just also trying to like, I am kind of your trying to play devil's advocate. That you're not no, I, I actually am. I actually am like 100% following you. I think the thing that I'm maybe like, that's kind of tripping me up is in what I feel like you're offering, which is like true healing and true like reconciliation. It feels like the work, the emotional work ends up falling on the victim to kind of get over it. And I do struggle with that image. Yeah, I think that's, I struggle with it too in this because yeah. they, unfortunately in a really grace-filled ecosystem where we're going to lean into like not our desire for justice but God's and extending grace that unfortunately the person that's the victim will feel like they have a lot more to shoulder because they're forgiving someone that hurt them really bad. Mm. Um. And I think that sucks. I don't know that that's. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what to do with that. Like I. I don't know what to do with it. I think forgiveness is way harder than we give it credit for. And I think inclusion. And I think about it at the well. Like when I say every time I say your seat at the table can't cost someone else theirs, I truly mean it. And I'm like, please don't f this up, mm. because then we have to like when the rubber hits the road, who really believes that? Right now, we're crushing it. And because there's people of different ideologies, but we're about to go through an election season and people are going to start posting shit on Facebook and it's going to get weird, yeah. right? And like that's going to make it harder. And you're going to say like, well, what does it mean for my seat to not cost you yours? Which mm -hmm. is a question you raise, which is a really interesting one to explore. Like, does my presence cost you a seat? Like, does what I say cost you a seat? Everything about that statement causes for both sides, like whether it's victim and victimizer, whether it's progressive and conservative, whether it's cis and, and gay whatever the things are right like it causes you to be way more introspective than any of us naturally are yeah and inclusion is the preferred route and it's way harder than people like inclusion isn't just like i love people right like like i'm i'm really thinking about it the idea of like my seat can't cost yours let's say the victim and the victimizer cannot coexist in the space maybe you've tried and you just like I can't do it. I'm too hurt. I'm like thinking about some of my own experiences with like abuse and assault. And I'm like, if that person wanted to like start coming to the well, I would be like, no, please. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think like, and that's super hard to like really think about putting myself in those shoes because I think if the victim and the victimizer cannot coexist and I don't really blame them, I get that the pursuit is forgiveness, but like, Depending on the situation, like sometimes sometimes you don't want to be confronted with like one of your darkest memories every week. But in either, if they can't coexist, both of them are costing the other seat. Right. Because if the abuser stays, the victim can't stay and the victim stops coming. Or if the victim stays and says, I need this person out, they're costing them their seat. Yeah. But I think some people would say, well, the abuser gave up their own seat by making that mistake. Yeah. So let's say you're, you're a universalist, right? Right. You, no, all right. I'm asking. Yeah, you, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know why I laughed at yeah. it. So the person that you hurt you in the universalist world is going to spend eternity with you. Yeah. And I think that's where, like, mm. we're all really okay. interested in 
the afterlife of this idea of universalism. We don't really live like as if universalism is true. You know what I mean? Because if you hate them now and you can't coexist with them now, how the hell are you going to do that in eternity? Um, I don't. I don't know if I hate them, but I don't think I want to see them every week. Uh, and yeah. I and I guess I envision heavens big enough that I don't ever have to see them. And maybe <laughs> that's something I need to work through. Yeah, I think almost certainly you need to work through that. <laughs> Um, I, so I was thinking this week, like there's someone that hurt me pretty bad. And, and as I was writing this sermon mm. and I was like, and I would say I felt, uh, abused by, and, and it's funny, like, as you dive into scripture and as you like, at least as a sermon writer, like I oftentimes, I try not to just write them for myself, but like I, yeah. a lot is revealed to me about my own mm. inadequacies and my own stumblings and the areas I'm doing things well, but oftentimes more puts, shines a light on the areas of not. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, do I just need to, like, because I, I thought about sending this person a text or calling mm. and being like, hey, I forgive you. They might be like, what the hell are you talking <laughs> about, right? But if I saw them in my space, it would be hard for me. And, but my question my whole time as I've been studying and reading this week is like, and again, it's putting the onus on me. And so I'm not putting the onus on anyone else other than myself here as a victim. I'm putting onus on myself as the victim here in this story. Yeah. So I can't say anyone else's story. But I was like, I think my responsibility is to forgive them. I can't control them. I can't control what they do. But I can forgive them and live in the grace that I want to be extended to me towards them. And I can only control me. I'm like with you, but I'm like, you can you forgive and not want to see someone every week? Yeah, but the que- the answer is yes. So I think yes, I even forget. But an uh, interesting question is, can I forgive them and see like w- yeah, like have I forgiven them if I can't see them every week? Like, and there are people that I've forgiven that I get like visceral feelings of like mm. anger when I see. But I guess the question I asked myself, and that's what I asked myself, have I really forgiven them? And that's what made me ask, like, do I have to, like, really, Mm. like, say it and try to live as if this is true? Yeah. So, and you can tell how, like, personal and frustrating, like, I've, like, closed my body off. Yeah. Because I'm, like, trying to think about the lived experience of this. And it's harder than we think. And being an inclusive Christian pastor, people think that means, oh, all I care about is LGBTQ plus people, right? Like, that's what we've parlayed inclusion to mean it's way harder in real life if we believe in a universal christ that is inclusive to all people mm-hmm. yeah i think i mean i think this is just hard like yeah. i think you're right i think this is the question we set out to ask is like how far does inclusion go it yeah. just it's just a bummer to me that it feels like the way to live that out is the victim has to get over it yeah i know we're this is we're like at 20 something, but I want to keep, why is, let's talk about why that's a bummer more like for both of us. And like, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I want to explore myself why, because I think it's a bummer too. I just like, I just hate, I'm just like, you already went through some bullshit, whatever it is. Like you went through some horrible experience that maybe hurt you forever. Like we'll probably always be a part of your story. And even if you have like worked on healing and even if you've worked on forgiveness, like, but even it, Here's the thing. I guess I guess what feels icky to me is it feels like a forced forgiveness. It feels like if you want to stay included, you have to do the work ASAP. Like as the victim, if you want to stay included, you have to forgive the other person. Yeah, or leave. 
Yeah. Like to me, those are the choices. And I just like, I think in reality, as we're like talking through the logic of it, I'm like, yeah, but I'm just like, uh, like yeah. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the idea of someone of like a victim coming up and someone saying to them like, okay, let's talk. Like if I came to someone and said, I can't be in this space with this person. If I came to you and you said, then like, let's work on forgiveness or I guess find a new space. I would be so incredibly hurt. And I would be like, why am I having to do the work? I already did the work of getting abused. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And that's for me the question. The question I'm going to is how important is forgiveness? Yeah. And I think for Christian theology, we forgive because we were forgiven. Right. That would be the, the yeah. line, which we just recorded an episode. I think you would not like that line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we are covered because our sin was covered, right? Like, uh, but we talked about this in our forgiveness episode that sometimes I feel like we use the cross to blackmail people into forgiving on a timeline that isn't theirs. Yeah. Whereas I remember being feeling so freed when Rabbi Josh Stanton said, "Like, forgiveness, you are not required to forgive, but it's pretty smart to, and it feels, it sets you free." There was something really nice about that. Right. So let's, yeah, take all the semantics. Why okay. is that freeing then? Like, that's because what... you're not making me do it. It's because I, on my own accord, see that that's yeah. good for me on my own timeline. Right. I have I have some power and autonomy over that versus being like, even, well, Emily, you got to get over it. Even this freaking power thing. <laughs> uh, no, um, I'm with. So that's what I like. I think it's not. I think it is required. But say what Rabbi said again. He said, he said, like, forgiveness is not required, but it's a really good idea yeah. to set you free. So I would say, to rephrase, I think it is required, but it's only required because it's what is the best idea. Like, it's, mm, yeah, it is required in the sense that it provides us the best lived experience. But the reason we don't like it is because it feels like we're getting kicked in the nuts again. Yeah. It feels like. But what's kicking us, and this is what's kicking me, is I'm surrendering my hope for justice. Yeah, that's it. I or mean, my, like, what I think is just, I guess is the better way to say it. Because I think justice can still be found, but I'm surrendering what I think justice should look like. I'm just like, that should just be, you like, I'm just like, you're already a victim. If you choose to forgive that's really dope of you. But to say you have to do that just feels like, again, I already, like, you were already victimized. Can you give me a break? Yeah. I guess, like, I'm going to, like, what is required of victims of being a Christian? Oh. Like, what, what are we signing up for to follow Jesus? I think is an interesting part of it that I'm drawing back to because I'm only thinking this through. I'm actually not only looking at it through like being a victim, like looking at through being a Christian, being a Christian victim. Like, cause I think if we're, if we're fully yeah. secular victims, what is required of us is a little different. Mm. And not only like being like a, uh, anyone of any faith that's a victim. I think the question, I'm not saying more is required, but I'm saying is, I'm asking the question is more, required and i'm trying to think of a good way to analogize this without making it seem like it's a job 
Well, I'm thinking about Jesus' line of the, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a requirement when you like strap into the yoke. Yeah. Okay. You're like following the other ox, right? Like you, like, you know, it's you and that other ox and you can't, one of you can't jut away. Like you're like, I'm on this journey with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you sign up for. But what Jesus has also promised is that it's not burdensome that it's easy and light but this feels super burdensome but what i'm also processing in my head is like but it but that probably is the way to ease ease and lightness is forgiveness yeah so in that sense it's i'm so sorry that in that sense it's required because it creates that light and easy yoke yeah but i'm just like yeah and i think about in terms of another yoke of getting yoked uh no so for muscle growth like <laughs> stretching and like you can't grow your right. muscles unless you stress them and do what is uncomfortable yeah and that is not the yoke that christ is talking about here but when i think about like <laughs> physical muscular growth there is a ripping a tearing and stretching and an uncomfortability that happens in growth and i think for me that's how i kind of that's where my mind goes to in this of like growth can't happen without stretching and a little bit of tearing, but also, so if you're like doing bicep curls, if you never take time to rest and stop, your muscles will never grow because you're only ripping and tearing them. Mm. And like, it's a combin like it, there's rest with stretching, but like if you keep stretching yourself without taking rest, you're just going to tear something and then you're going to be hurt. There, ha- It has to be both aimed, right? Yeah. I yeah, I'm just like imagining saying this to someone who was just victimized. Which you wouldn't. <laughs> You're right, right. But that like if you have to you have to endure some pain for some growth. I would hit myself if like Yeah. If I said that to someone, I would be like, You should punch me in the face. Right. Yeah, I think uh I just listened to a sermon and I wish I could remember what the line was. Um so I'd like it's just so stupid of me to even like tease that idea because I can't finish this. But essentially it's like if yes, that is where you have to be. Like there's stretching and growth, but like you're not there yet. So give yourself permission to be where you are, but also you can't stay there forever or you're choosing not to heal. Yeah, okay. I Do think, you think you can heal and not forgive? I think you can't hate someone and heal. I think that if you have not forgiven them, which means you're still having some level of like hate or anger or whatever, then you have not healed. Like I was thinking about that with, and I'll just like think about it with like with my divorce when I like really healed from it was when I stopped blaming the other person and hating parts of that story. Like healing, I can't point at them as the victimizer and say that I'm healed. But do you think healing or forgiveness means no more anger? Yes, but I don't think that it means so. No, yes, no. I don't know. Righteous anger, like not like malicious anger. Like I think being mad at the situation is different than being wishing them harm. Yeah, weaponizing my yeah. anger to do something against them. Okay, I agree with you. So, but I don't like. I would say in a vacuum of a quotable tweet, you can't be angry in the vacuum of like what we perceive anger to be. Like, I don't think you can weaponize something against someone. But I think, like, you also have to feel your real emotions. Yeah. 
I don't know. I I have a friend. Let's. I want to hear you your do? thoughts on this. I have. I know. I have friends. I have a friend, and he has a really rough relationship with his mom. Like they are estranged, basically. And I remember he said to me the other day. He said he was like, "I don't really want a relationship with my mom again. Like I've been so hurt, and I really don't want a relationship with her." But man, I hope she has a good day. And it took a long time for me to get to that place. Do you think that's forgiveness? I think so. I again, I only see see things through my lens. Okay. So I have a hard time personally believing because I'm really relational. Yeah. How I could not want to see someone and have forgiven them. Yeah. Uh, I but just... I so I, the answer I think is maybe yes for them. Okay. I'm only thinking for my like if you have become dead to me, and I don't want to see you, it means that I have not overcome something. Like there are people. I am surrounded by people that I would call friends that have hurt me bad. Yeah. And I can't live in a, I, if you're around me, it means that I've forgiven you. And there's a lot of my close friends that have hurt me Hmm. and they may not know that. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm okay. So we've talked about two pastors on this podcast that really hurt me a lot. And we've talked about that. They probably like. Yeah. Stephen Furtick and Craig Rochelle. Right. Them too. Um, (laughs) But. I don't talk to them. Yeah. I don't think in order for me to forgive them, I need to have a relationship with them again. Yeah, I think that's right. But I also want, like, have you ever said, I forgive you? Do you, have you forgiven them? I don't know. I'm going to be real. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, in, like, so one of them has to... reached out to me twice and I'm just like, I don't want to talk. I don't respond. Yeah. I'm sick I of that. I think an interesting thing to explore is, do I, why are they not in my life because they're not because I haven't forgiven them, forgiven them or because we just have gone separate ways? Like, or are they not one of my my childhood me? best friends aren't in my life anymore, but it's not because I hate them. It's like our lives have just diverged. Yeah. Um. So I think there's a difference between diverging and choosing to like pretend like they don't exist and ignore. Them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I think we're beating a dead horse here. You're right. But I forgive that dead horse. <laughs> Does the dead horse forgive us? Probably not. We'd be the shit out of it. Is it required to forgive us? I don't know if this is helpful or not, but to the ends of showing the complexity of this and how even in our, there's way more nuance than I think we even thought. I think when you said we should talk about this, it was like slam dunk. I'm going to dunk on Emily and say the answer is yes. And then when it got to me, I'm like, oh, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, And in the pretend, or the real hypothetical, but the story you presented, it was easy because it wasn't connected to me. And the mm. second it got connected to me, it got harder. And I think that's the reality. I do think mm. that it's harder. I think that forgiveness is required, but I think it's hard. But I only think it's required because it's the best for us. Like, I don't think yeah. that we should do it because we're forced to do it. Like, when I tell my kid to clean their room, I'm done talking, but I think it's <laughs> it's required it's, because it's gonna give them like a. I guess I like I guess I like the difference of like, I want you to find the hands. importance on its own yeah. and not tell you you have to. Exactly right. Thank you for saying what I've been trying to say. I appreciate you saying that. that's. I've really okay. that. you said what I've been trying to <laughs> put words to. Um, but I think I mean I think this is hard, but I think it's also a really important aspect of inclusion that we don't talk about. I think we just think it's easy and pretty and it's not. Yeah. 
can't wait to sit in the car for three and a half hours Damn. and think about this. <laughs> um, do you want to go to recommendations? Yeah. Uh, Don't say forgive people. Is that what you're about to say? 100%. Damn. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I forgive you for saying. Um, but only because I'm required to. Um, I don't know what my... Rec- Do you have a recommendation while I think about mine? Yeah. Well, I actually just started this, but I think it's really good, so I'm going to talk about it. Great. So I just started this last night. It's a mini series on Amazon Prime called Them. Have mm. you heard of it? Mm-mm. I had not heard of it. My boyfriend was like, this did not get the critical acclaim it deserved. We started watching it, and I was like, yeah, I "This it. is so good." Is so it about? it's it's very like Jordan Peele esque, and it's about oh yeah, you I have, have not watched, watched it, it, but I know the show. Yeah. Um, so it's about this family who moves into a black family who moves into an all white neighborhood mm-hmm. in like the forties, and at that point, like clauses that said like you can't sell to black people are no longer legally enforced. Like you can't enforce them, but these all the neighbors are like. We want to kick them out. We want to drive them out. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is the genre is horror, but it's like horror of a very like real historical period. And it is I mean, it's brutal to watch, but it is very well done. And I'm just like floored that more people aren't talking about it. Hmm. So I'm I only watched two episodes. There's 10. But I mean, it is very good. OK, I dig it. But brutal. Um, I'm after what it's on Prime. Yeah. Okay. I may have got to go. Um, I my recommendation is not a new watch, but a rewatch. Okay. Um, and also in the horror genre. Okay. Uh, Lovecraft Country. Did you ever watch that? No. County. Love Lovecraft County. I can't remember which one. It's but anyway, it's uh got who's the guy who's getting canceled that's in all the Marvel movies? Crap. Jonathan Majors. I don't know. Uh, great actor, but I think he's like done something that is. They're trying to decide if they're going to move forward with him in all the Marvel things as the main villain. Dang. But anyway, he is the main actor in this. And it's so J.P. Lovecraft. I think he's a science yeah. fiction author. H.P. Um, Lovecraft. Yeah. Um, does it say J.P.? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's kind of like in that universe. Okay. And it's like aliens and vampires and witchcraft. Hmm. And it's a wild watch. Um, but it's good? It's weird. Okay. And it's good. It's But it's like really good story. If you're into like really weird science fiction, like the story starts off like the opening scene is like aliens like just battling. And then like Jackie Robinson shows up like the baseball player and like (laughs) swings a bat and like knocks the brains out of a vampire zombie thing. And then like the guy wakes up from this weird dream and it's like it's that kind of like chaos and it's a really interesting show. Okay, what's it on? Max. Okay, I have Max, so. Yeah, watch it. It's really good. It's I'm rewatching it, and I like I like watching things the second time because you just Me too. see things differently. Yeah. Um, and I get really scared really easily, and so mm. when I'm not like worried about getting scared, uh, I enjoy the show more. I okay. Now I have one more thing to talk about. A weird horror movie that we watched on Netflix is called Apostle. Mm-hmm. Um, whack. Yeah. It's about this guy who has to like infiltrate a cult because they kidnapped his sister. But he has to like pretend to be a part of the cult in order mm. to like get her. But then it's like very weird and creepy and very gory. Movie or show? Movie. Um, I'm not gonna say I recommend it. It was just kind of weird. But like, I was looking at reviews on Letterboxd, and half the people were like, "This is the best movie I've ever seen." And so I'm like, you "Did I not like it? Like, because I would have probably given it like 
two and a half stars. If it's gory, I probably wouldn't dig it. But if it's a good story, I might. The story's just like interesting, but then it's also like mystical. Like there's like a goddess that keeps the island alive. And I'm just like, what is it? It's a lot going on. But I thought I would like it because I like culty horror. Mm, yeah, you do. So I don't know. Watch it or not. <laughs> That's, my That's your recommendation. Well, hey. Uh, um, good we talk. did what we came here to do, which we was did. talk about forgiveness. And it was and hard. inclusion. And it was hard. But I think it was worth the hour that we just spent talking about this. Almost worth the journey. Mm. And so. It's time to. I'm not saying you have to forgive, but you do. Ha- you're required <laughs> to. Embrace, embrace the, the journey. journey. <laughs> God, I hate myself. <laughs>